minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. This is episode 7, part 1 of the St. David Nerds podcast, and today I'm joined by Luke. Welcome to our childhood sci-fi experience. We're down a man today as Lewis can't make it, unfortunately, but he'll be back on our next episode. So it's been a bit delayed, but we've um, got to it in the end. Firstly, kicking off, I've, I've got a couple of little bits of news, nothing too... Cr- wow, the fact cinemas are struggling at the moment is not great. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I, I hope it does like recover next year. I'm not massively surprised either. Yeah, I mean... You know? The way studios are pushing films back at the moment, there's you know no blockbuster releases basically till nah. March next year at the earliest. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman's got the December spot at the moment, but I could see that moving as well, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the most extreme one so far, other than probably the the new Bond, is June as of yesterday. Yeah, that is awesome. That's a big one. Yeah, pushed to wow. October October 2021. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Months and months, it's crazy. Which it's in, turn, in turns had a knock-on effect with Batman going to 2022. So yeah. it's, um, it's going to be all changed for a while, I think, until this you know, calms down a bit more. But there we go. And uh, a trivial bit of news that I was come across and the trailer's been going around a bit i don't know what you think of this one but borat 2 borat 2 came out of nowhere <laughs> absolutely out of left field i did not think this year we were going to see a borat sequel well mate anything can happen okay this year when you think about it uh, yeah very nothing very true. Su- nothing surprises anymore i know um, I, I remember like I I feel like I'll probably have to watch it. Like, so it's on um it's on Prime, isn't it? So yeah, I'll definitely got, I'll, I'll give it a watch. Yeah, I've got a Prime Video subscription, so I may as well watch it. And I remember going to the cinema to watch the first one, and me and my mates bought tickets for some kids' film, and then screen hopped to when I saw Borat <laughs> instead because we were only like I don't know like twelve, thirteen, something like that, and. It's mad to think that all these years later they've done a sequel. I kind of think it might actually be quite good. I don't know how I feel about saying that. No, Gerard, like, it might be a bit of a laugh, like what we need at the moment, because obviously life's a bit too serious and it's a goofy film. And yeah, I never saw it coming because, like, a while back he killed the character off and everything. And I thought, like, Everyone knows who Borat is as well, so how is he going to like fool people? But he must have pulled it off somehow. Anyway, moving on. So this week's topic is like sci-fi films from our childhood. So me and you were born in the 90s, both 92? 92, mate, yeah. 92, pushing 30. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we weren't born in the 80s, but we're going to kick it off with 80s films because we grew up with those. Um, and... I'll take it away first if you want, mate. Um, yeah, go for it. So um, mine was Ghostbusters. And this has got a 7.8 on IMDb and a 71 on Metacritic, which is not too bad, I suppose, really. Um, 7.8 is a decent rating. Uh, 1984, this one actually came out. So that's like that's nearly 40 years. Like, I can't believe that. Um, directed by Ivan Reitman. Yeah, I mean... This one's got two great comedy actors of that time uh, in Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. I think they're absolutely quality in this and obviously had a lot of input with it. My little fun fact is uh, Bill Murray actually, um, a lot of his uh, lines in it were ad-lib, which I thought, again, doesn't surprise me because he's obviously good with the comedy and the timing and stuff. But I still think that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, Ghostbusters as a kid, I, I had like the toy car, I had the, um, I had like the Ghostbusters tower as well, which, I mean, it's kind of my brother's, but I kind of like took it off him and then he kind of took it back, I think, and sold it. <laughs> and yeah, I've not, I don't feel I've forgiven him for that. Hence, I, like, why well, I've chipped it in there. 
Yeah, and another thing for Ghostbusters, I think another reason why I love it, I think it's just got that icon, uh, that iconic theme tune. Yeah, as soon as you hear, like, how can you not sort of like rock along to that one? And yeah. if anyone says they don't like it, then yeah, I probably would uh, unfriend them. So yeah. you better, you better like it, man. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I just remember this film a lot because I had like a, I had a few VHSs and most of them were Disney, but um, this was one of the few live action ones I had. So I watched it a hell of a lot when I was growing up. Um, at the same time, it actually scared the shit out of me because um, the opening scene, like, I mean, when bearing in mind I was probably about what I was probably about four or five when I first saw it, and the opening scene is like a ghost in the library. And you're following the librarian around and you see like little things happening here and there and in the background and she's not noticing. And it's just, it's quite creepy really if you're a kid. When you watch it now, I mean, I watched the clip back recently and I was like, actually, you know, it's not that scary. But you can see why a kid would be scared at that point. At the end of that scene, the ghost, you don't see it, but it just like, you can see her and she's like scared out of her life. But yeah, this film, I mean, it's a, it's a good one. Like I said, it's got that horror element with that, but it's also got its comedy. It's an all-round fun film, I think. Like, you don't want to watch serious films all the time. You know, like I said, life's too serious, and especially yeah. at the moment. And you need those goofy films, but this has got that balance of it not being too goofy. Because it could. If it wasn't done right, this film could be crap, really. But well, I think they did it. they did it right. I think you're right, like, that balance is what makes it work, because it's sort of probably one of the best, like, action comedies ever. Yeah, I think I challenged someone to pick a better one, really, off the top of my head. Um, yeah, exactly. Hence why I've picked it to talk about on this podcast, because um, when we sort of thought about it, I thought it, it was, I mentioned Back to the Future, obviously, is one of my picks, possibly, for the 80s. And then I am denied, and then suddenly I was like, "No, it's got to be Ghostbusters." Like this, this means a lot more to me from my childhood. Uh, after that, I just could not, not pick it. Yeah. Um, and also, you got like your different characters in it, like Slimer. He's in it, like a sort of a spin. He's this horrible-looking character, like whoever created him. You know, you got a sick mind, really, aren't they? But yeah, yeah. It's, again, it's it's a it's it's freaky looking, but it also adds that comedy to it with him like i think he's like stuffing his face or something in the scene isn't he when they go and find him yeah exactly I think it's in like a hotel or something like that so um yeah no it works it works really well for me um and then obviously at the end you've got uh stay puffed as like the you know as this big villain and again you think it's so stupid but it just it's iconic now like nah, when you so think good. of ghostbusters and that scene because obviously the um the demon takes the form of what like they think of. So he inadvertently, you know, thinks of this Stay Puft mascot. And yeah, it appears and it's just like, it's kind of, to be honest, again, it's kind of like funny, but at the same time, it's kind of freaky as well. Like yeah, when you get some close up shots of it, it's quite like creepy again for a kid. So yeah. I, think, yeah. I think part of that is like that kind of unmoving expression. On, on state, yeah, off yeah. State. that's it. That's spot on. That's exactly, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, thinking about it now, I definitely probably was like a bit creeped again. I'm thinking if I was a kid and I was creeped out of it, why did I watch it? But it's obviously this curiosity just always got the better of me, and I was like, no, nah, I've got to see more of that, yeah. Um, and also, of course, um, Sigourney Weaver's in it as well. Um, she's a great actress, um, and she gets possessed in it, and that's another bit that's quite creepy, to be honest, and a bit, like, sort of, uh, you know, dodgy, really. Like, there's a scene with her acting pretty sexy, I think, around Bill Murray, and you're like, how is this film a PG? Like, <laughs> yeah. I probably shouldn't be watching this, but, you know, I'll watch it anyway. Bad parenting. Um, <laughs> that's what you want to put it down to, mate, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> the thing that's weird about that is Sigourney Weaver being sexy yeah because if, like, if you've only ever seen alien like you just like what yeah 
but that's the thing you say that but i think alien like was she not a bit of a sex symbol because of that i mean it's whatever floats your boat i suppose but I she's obviously yeah. quite she is quite macho and kick ass in alien but yeah some guys like that don't they it's very true so yeah. you know but yeah it's um yeah she's definitely a different character to ripley in that at that point of um the film oh yeah um and obviously like ghostbusters success there's it's it's a franchise like you know they made the second one it's okay but it's obviously nowhere near as good um they made they did a remake in 2016 with um the female ghostbusters which i, I was totally behind really when i first heard about it and then i went to see it and it just did not work for me i don't know if you've seen it at all mate yeah uh, i saw it at the cinema it was uh didn't really have too many issues with it really it was it was a laugh but yeah i think it, it wasn't looked... like the worst film ever it was just it was just it came out and then it sort of went for me really and you know it just didn't leave a lasting yeah. i wanted it to work really well but it just didn't for me yeah that's fair i think that's the trouble with rebooting any big any big franchise really is you run that risk of it being immediately forgettable regardless of what you're trying to do with it and whatever statement you might be trying to make. I think that's probably the way that went. Yeah, and of course, like, over the years, there'd been talks of a third one for, yeah, God knows how long, and everyone wanted to see, like, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd come back, and then it never really, like, happened. And then, of course, they're bringing out this um, sort of sequel supposed to come out this year, Afterlife, and I think they make, like, cameo returns in it, at least. So yeah. maybe that'd be a little bit better if it's got their input, but um, I guess the jury's out really until we see it when it's finally released. And you, you're obviously a fan of Ghostbusters, so what do you um, what do you chip in on it? It's like you say, it's just so iconic. Like everything about it, the outfits, the car, the ghosts, the characters, the and the and the thing, like all of it is immediately recognisable to anyone, even people who haven't seen the film. Everyone knows the Ghostbusters theme, even if they've never seen the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you show yeah. nah, spot on. if you show the car to anyone, they go, that's from Ghostbusters. Because it's got that symbol on it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, even I mean... that is so it's so good. Everything in it. Just it's just uh yeah, iconic's the only word really that you can use to describe it because it's it's all like I don't know if it feels like they got the branding for it like spot on at a time when film branding and things like that weren't really wouldn't really have been front of mind in the same way they are today in terms of like flogging toys and games and spin-offs and all the rest of it. But the way I guess in a way, you know, it's up there with star wars i think bang on with the logo as well like um you know it's, you see on t-shirts and stuff all the time and it's definitely if you had to think of like iconic symbols from films i think again along with the theme tune ghostbusters would be up there or something like that so yeah branding wise like they had it on point and yeah i mean yeah, it's close behind the Star Wars, I think. There's definitely, like, something like Ghostbusters is going to have a big following as well, I think, from, like, uh, film fans, especially from that era. Like, people our age and, like, maybe, you know, the generation above are going to be massively into it, I imagine. Um, I've got a mate, I won't name him, but he hasn't even seen it, and I just think that's a disgrace. <laughs> yeah. But um, he'll know who he is if he listens to this, that's for sure. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, moving on to uh, the next film and that, uh, from the 80s. Um, and that's your choice, Luke. So do you want to give me some details on that one? Yeah, so I I struggled initially to come up with one. I thought about Blade Runner, but then you rightly pointed out it's not a film I saw when I was a kid. And I thought about Tron. I thought, I've only seen it a couple of times. And I mean... What can you say about Tron, really? 
Uh, wait, the, f- the first, the first Tron, mate. I, I, I could say a few things, and they're not, they're not good. They're not positive, right? Uh, no. So, <laughs> Sorry, mate. That's it. So in the end, I went for, I went for the Fly, which arguably is not a film you should watch as a kid, but it's a film. I didn't go out my way to watch it. I should add, but it was just <laughs> one of those films that was on. And I ended up watching it like late at night with my mum, like on ITV two or something like that, or Channel Five. And um, yeah, released in in nineteen eighty six. Originally, um, has got a dodgy sequel, but we won't go into that too much. Uh, obviously, none of the original cast are in it because that's what happens with dodgy eighty sequels. Um, directed by David Cronenberg, and yeah, it is horrible it's just so creepy there's just something about it it's just so grim as the film wears on and the body horror in it just gets worse and worse and worse but it's like you said like it's one of those things where it's like you can't really look away (laughs) you know like it doesn't matter how much it grosses you out or scares you or freaks you out you can't look away from it. It's just so grim. And like, that's another one. I've only seen it like maybe like two or three times, probably something like that. And it's just left an impact. It's one of those films. Like, you know, when like, like an athlete, like a hurdler trips over a hurdle and like twists their leg in some really gruesome, horrible way. (laughs) you kind of initially look away and you're like, oh, that was horrible. And then you watch it back in super slow motion like 10 times because you just can't help yourself. Yeah. Like, that's what the fly is. <laughs> me. Just like, how long is it? Just over an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half of watching a hurdler break their leg over <laughs> Lead cast is obviously Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, which is amazing. Jeff Goldblum in it is incredible because he typically is, he plays it so well. I saw as well when I was looking it up, there were times during filming where he'd have up to five pounds of makeup. I saw that. On his hair. Like any given time, it's like, Jesus Christ, there's so much effort. That must be so heavy. Like to try and, like, just even if you were just, offset with that on that would be a pain but trying to perform and act and like put in a performance with that going on obviously he's not the only actor and actors since have had it far worse like (laughs) a lot of prosthetics that go on in in modern films now like that it's not all achieved by cgi but my god like the effort is is ridiculous i think the scene that probably stays with me the most is a bit before it gets super, super gross. It's where he's arm wrestling that dude in the bar. Yeah. For some reason, this fly is super strong. I don't really know why that is. But he, like, pops. Ah, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's literally a bone break, not a metaphorical one. Like, just <laughs> seeing that guy's arm just basically fall apart in the arm wrestle is absolutely horrific but again you can't not watch it and then a bit later on that's towards the end when he's going full fly and he's just like drooling all this like acid basically and you're just seeing you're seeing all this gore and nastiness Oh, it's so bad but I think that is you know I think we all whether we admit it or not have a kind of weird I know I do and I blame you on this film I have a weird <laughs> fascination with body horror like you know yeah there's a, like, there's a reason we like watching people get hurt on on YouTube yeah like it's a, it's a morbid curiosity isn't it yeah like, exactly the, the, that humans seem to have. Yeah. You feel like you almost feel like you're a criminal for watching it sometimes, but yeah, everyone, everyone does it. Um, 
Yeah, if I can weigh in on the fly. Yeah, mate, do it. Um, I actually only saw it for the first time last year, believe really? it or not. Yeah. Um, it was one I heard a lot about, and it was on my watch list and stuff, and I finally got around to watching it because it was only short, and I just stuck it on one afternoon. Um, as a film, I, I, again, it should be like kind of silly, but I, I kind of I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. And bear in mind, like, it was last year, and there's a lot of cinema's gone a long way since 1986, did you say? 1986, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that the makeup was like that bad, to be honest, when you look at some things that were made yeah, up. During that period, um, and yeah, I agree with you. Body horror wise, it is absolutely gross. Um, yeah, yeah. Jeff Goldblum. I mean, he's quality in pretty much everything he's ever done. So yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to know my fun fact for this one? I found. Yeah. Do I, don't it. Know if, I don't know if you came across it, but Mal Mal Brooks was a producer for this film. Yeah. I did not know that until about about half an hour ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Not not long before not not long before you saw it. To be fair, um, <laughs> yeah, pretty incredible, isn't it? Not I know, exactly like, sort of, and not apparently, exactly the sort of film you'd associate with Mel Brooks. Yeah, and at first he didn't want to be like too linked with it because obviously of his like comedy um, yeah. background and stuff. But due to the success of it, he um, I think he was proud to put his name on it in the end. But yeah, um, right. yes, and like you said, it's Cronenberg. I don't know if you've seen any other films that have been done by Cronenberg, but obviously he does go down that sort of odd route. There's a film called Dead Ringers with Jeremy Irons where it's like, yeah, it's it's messed up, mate. I won't, I won't go into it too much. but <laughs> Yeah, um, no, this is the only one from this era of his that I've seen. Yeah. But there's obviously there's a ton of others as well that all all play with sci-fi quite heavily. Um yeah, but yeah, they're they're all on my watch list. To be fair, I need to get around to them eventually. But you know, I'm sure your watch list will be twice as long as mine. Oh but... crikey, mate! Yeah, the, the, I mean, as soon as I watch a few things, there's another few things that go on it, so it never exactly. seems to ever go down. But at least there's plenty to keep me occupied. Uh, you know, for yeah, for sure. Well, the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, yeah. So that's our eighties picks then. Should we move on to the 90s? Let's um, take the 90s. I'll tell you what, mate, if you want to take your one first. Yeah. So start, start of the 90s. Yeah. So, 90s. Sorry if I, I caught you off guard there. No, mate, you're all right. Um, yeah, 90s, I've gone for Terminator 2 Judgment Day because it's, it's the best Terminator film. Released in 1991. Everything about it is just like pitch perfect, I think got to be one of the best action films ever let alone you know let alone sci-fi after this opened up a bit of a can of worms for me while i was trying to pick the films to talk about but got to to 91 terminator 2 i was like can i do terminator 2 if i don't pick terminator as my 80s pick but then what do i do in the 90s and in the end i decided I prefer Terminator 2 to the first Terminator. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Like, the special effects in that film are absolutely incredible to this day. Like, the T-1000, John, uh, not John, Robert Patrick's character. I was yeah. going to call him John Doggett because he plays John Doggett in the later series of the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, he has very, very few lines in this film, right? But somehow he's the perfect pick to play it. Don't really understand how that can be. <laughs> but like, he's kind of a serious face. But it's almost mischievous at points as well, I think. Like, it's just so good. And the effects on the T-1000 that they use as well with the bullet holes and him getting basically chopped in half vertically. <laughs> like, is and it's it just looks so good. Like, I can't ever really get over it. And it's amazing. Like, Arnie is Arnie. That's fine. Linda Hamilton is, picks up pretty much where she leaves off. And, uh, yeah... Little Edward Furlong as John Connor. 
it's pretty funny. He's not the best actor, but he's actually quite a good character in this. Probably, probably the most bearable that any John Connor has been in any of <laughs> in any of the Terminator films. I would say. Um, but yeah, it's it's just amazing. It really is. Um, so yeah, obviously directed by James Cameron. Um, just looking, these have got really similar uh, meta scores. So Terminator Two's got seventy five. Obviously, Ghostbusters had seventy one, and The Fly has seventy nine. I mean, I'm not completely sure I agree with those, but and, <laughs> and exactly the ranking. But it's just it's a film I've seen so so many times. I never ever get bored of it. The whole like end fight as well between Arnie and the T-1000, like, well, you think Arnie's done for because he's, he's definitely lost at least one limb. By the end. <laughs> he's impaled on this big stick, but he finds a way and jumps into a big pit of lava with the T-1000. It goes down with him. But just as he's slowly sinking with that, like, thumbs up, like, I just love that so much. <laughs> so good. But, like, it's, I feel like it's, it's the most, I think I've like ever empathized with a cyborg character in a film is in that moment as he's dying where he's, you know, without yeah. doubt become the good guy. It's just, it always stays with me. Cause I always, if you think of cyborgs in films or droids or whatever, they don't ever have like a, they don't ever really have a human side. Apart from, I guess, Blade Runner, where that's the entire point. But taking that out of the mix, I struggle. Even in something like AI, like, which I hate. Um, Not seeing it, mate. Uh, just dodge it, that's fine. Um, even something <laughs> like that, like, cyborgs and droids come across, to me anyway, I'm sure people will disagree, and that's their right, but... They come across as irritating to me. Like <laughs> sometimes I agree. Like some of the Star Wars sort of droids in that, you're like they can kind of become annoying. I think there was one um not Rogue One, I think it was uh might have been Han Solo. Oh there yeah. was a droid in that did my fucking nutting. Like I was just like, Yeah, I didn't love that film anyway, to be honest. But yeah, the droid in that did not help matters. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. They do. They can come across with like not not a per, without a personality, and yeah, they can come over a bit yeah. obnoxious and annoying. I mean, that's what I was going to say, right? I think it's on the part of the writers. I feel like because it's like they almost try too hard to give those characters a personality. Yeah, like a really distinct individual character because it plays off against what they are which is a mass-produced machine right but what i like about the terminator in terminator 2 is that he's just a more talkative version (laughs) like a less frightening more talkative version of what you see in the first terminator (laughs) right yeah and I mean, maybe, maybe that is in part down to Arnold Schwarzenegger's complete lack of acting ability, or maybe <laughs> it's a conscious decision. Like, who who can say? But his personality in that film is developed entirely by the way that character acts, rather than anything they say or necessarily do. You know. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. That's, um, a big, that's a big part of why why it's my nineties pick for sure. Yeah, no, it's a great pick. Um, I have got to come clean though at the moment Go on. about about this film. I've seen it. Don't worry, I've yeah. seen it, but I've actually only seen it properly all the way through the once. Oh mate, it's on ITV too, like and every other weekend. I own it. I own it, but um, yeah, it, it was one that was always on telly, and like when I was a kid, I. I 
you're flicking through telly and uh, and you'd see bits of it. It wasn't until like yeah later years I actually properly sat down and watched it. Um, I don't know if because it was on telly and I saw bits of it is why I never bothered watching it properly. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, when I finally did watch it, um, yeah, loved it. Um, yeah, it's better than the uh, first one. It's obviously better than anything else after it. Like that's not yeah. that's that's not hard. But um, I don't think I've seen the latest one. Like, it's, I haven't. Yeah. But um, I, I think there's some that they need to like sort of let it rest now, really. And but yeah, the second one, great. Um, yeah, great like villain in it. Um, like a, that's an iconic character, like you say. And yeah, I remember the end scene really well. As soon yeah. as you mentioned, I was like, yeah, like it just it all came back to me. And um, yeah, it's one of there's a lot of films on my rewatch list. The trouble is, you're always watching new things. You forget to watch some of the old ones, and that's one that I've definitely got to watch again soon. Um, oh yeah, been ages since I saw it as well. It's one of the one of the best for me. I absolutely love it. And there's so many there's so many scenes in it where as you're watching it, you're just like, oh yeah. It, it reminds me of like watching watching films as a kid when I watch this film because it's like scenes that you know are coming up that you look forward to. Yeah, it's like that chase, like the chase scene with the big, like the big truck with and the, like and just firing shotguns and stuff. Like that's so good. The end scene, that's so good. That horrible scene where Sarah Connor's dreaming of the nuclear holocaust. Oh yeah, it's really yeah, that's pretty grim, but always so memorable. Yeah, it's an iconic film for the genre, yeah. um, for sure. Like, and I can see it exactly what you've pit that when you said you pit that I thought there's no arguing with that yeah so yeah what have you got yeah so my 90s pick uh this came out in 1999 apparently but again this was probably in the states so I imagine it was a little bit later for us yeah it's based on the novel which was actually called Iron Man by um Ted Hughes uh they changed it so it didn't get um confused with the superhero Iron Man obviously Directed by Brad Bird, who's obviously done um, Mission Impossible film. He's done a few Pixar's as well. Yeah. So he's quite like respected in that in that genre. This has got 85 on Metacritic and an eight on IMDb. So I think that's pretty for the again for an animated film. That's pretty good. That's not a Pixar or a Disney. That's probably one of the highest ratings you'll find for an animated film. That's not a Pixar. I think if you actually researched it. Cause, um, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I, other than Disney, Pixar, or Ghibli. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ghibli as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. But um, yeah, I love this film. I don't think it's an obvious pick because like sci-fi, I was, I was going more down the live action route when I first thought about it. Um, and then, yeah, Iron Giant just came to me and I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, I, I love this film. Um, and I think it's got a bit of a cult following, really, because I don't think... If you speak to sort of like your average people, I don't think they, you know, many people would say they've seen it. Yeah, set in 1957 uh, during the height of the Cold War, and you get that sort of vibe, you get the 50s vibe, like the setting of it is so good, the characteristics of it is so thought out. Like some of these animated films, they just get them out, you know, to here you go, here's a kid's film, you know, and they churn it out. This one, like it was really so much thought had gone into it. I'd love to know how long they spent on it. Because I imagine it would have been quite a lot of time in the planning. But yeah, it's about a kid who basically like a standard story befriends this giant that he bumps into in the woods. And it's a beautiful looking film. And um, yeah, the giant is actually voiced by Vin Diesel. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little one for you. Um, you know, and you were saying about cyborgs not really having a character. And this... This character, he actually only says 53 words in the whole film. But by the end of it, you got like this, you feel like you you know him and kind of put yourself in the kid's shoes. And I felt, I don't know what you felt like when you saw it, but I had like this bond with that character. And for me, it was an iconic character who's not, and, and again, not an obvious choice. Yeah, mate, for absolutely. So, for someone who doesn't really speak, you think it'd be hard, be hard to get emotion out of it, but it's almost like he's, he's his pet in a way, and 
you feel a bit sorry for him because he's like this outcast and uh you know the agent's trying to basically take him down for the whole film and the kid's a bit of a loner as well and they kind of find each other and um again for the time i think the animation like obviously it's uh, like 2d animation but i think it was really good i can't remember if i saw it in the cinema but i think it would have been a really good one to see on the big screen yeah right i think i did see it at the cinema actually yeah i i yeah i can't i can't be 100 percent sure but i do remember i got it on vhs and it was in like a special edition box and you had a figure of the iron giant with it as well that just made my day i just loved that i thought it was great and i had a book and everything with it as well um again this one's got some real comic moments like there's a bit when he's trying to hide the giant in his house and i think it's in parts and he makes out like he's on the loo and he's got like the bad stomach like that's hilarious um yeah and then on the flip side it's got some really emotional moments like the end like you feel it's inevitable that these two won't they they can't be friends forever it's just not gonna there's not unfortunately there's not a world where they can stay together without him being hunted down it's almost like as if you could use it as an example like if a sasquatch was real if they were discovered they'd only get hunted and it's kind of the same thing with this giant it's weird and people don't like things that are different yeah and that's why this agent how bent on getting it and they get the army out and hunt him down and they just won't rest until he's kind of gone really and it's quite dark for a kids film really like I said there's some comic moments but you've got those emotional moments to balance it out and like you were saying with a cyborg robot character you wouldn't think you'd get the emotion out of it but, um, I find you do like for me I actually really I find it really emotional I watched it again like a couple of years ago and yeah it's a tearjerker for me. Um, yeah, same. My um, my fact for this one was um, that it actually was um, a box office bomb. So the budget was fifty million. It only made thirty-one million overall, which I like couldn't believe to be honest. Like yeah. I thought that's a joke when you think of like what some films make. Yeah, I reckon if you had a look through the uh, top top owners from that year the vast majority will be much, much worse than the Iron Giant, you know, in in every way. Like, yeah. it's such a good film. I totally agree, like, it's such a tearjerker. Like, the end of that film, just crushing. Like, mm. all, like, all these years later, nearly, like, yeah, 20 years later, more than 20 years later kills me every time the way that film ends it's just amazing it's yeah i love i just love it it's so good it's such a good pick i was really jealous when you said this was the one you were gonna do i would have loved to take it on it's so (laughs) so good it's got yeah it's got to be one of my favorite like favorite films from from that from that time like from when i was growing up and the fact that it bombed, obviously, you know, I've seen seen some stuff about it, read some stuff about it before, you know, how it's a, a 2D animated film that came out at the beginning of, you know, the height of popularity of 3D animation. Obviously, yeah. it didn't do it any favours. People might have thought that it was old-fashioned or whatever. And it's the last proper... For me, it's the last proper mainstream 2D animation that is worth anything. Yeah, I mean, Disney did like a few more, like probably late 90s, early noughties. And then they went through that period where they started doing CGI, where they put out a few crap ones. Yeah, I agree. Like Iron Giant, that was like the last peak of 2D animation probably. When you yeah. come to think of it like that, um, and I said I, I still can't believe. I know they re-released the cinema a couple of years back. I think they added bits in and like you know like they do. Um, I'd love to see it on a big screen again. I say I can't actually remember if I did see it or not, and I can see why maybe it didn't do so much because would parents take their kids to see that? Because that's what you're relying on. They might not want to go to see something like that. It's a shame. 
because it deserved it deserved better than that really hopefully it's made more money like in retrospect i think it must have yeah i mean you get you see you see good films bombing all the time and i was saying earlier shawshank redemption it's a wonderful life two of the best films around both bombed at the box office when they first Mm. came out so and there's like terrible films like Transformers, some of the later ones that make over a billion still. So, yeah, very, yeah. very true. If you actually go yeah. through the top uh, earning films that have been made, there's not many of them are like what you class as a great movie. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Look, at, look at Avatar. <laughs> that's, uh, that's for another show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, should we move on to the um, noughties now then? Um, yeah. And do you wanna do you wanna hit me with your pick for the noughties? Yeah, why not? Um, mine is The Matrix Reloaded, released in two thousand and three. Obviously directed by uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski as the Wachowski brothers. And uh, yeah, I mean everyone knows it's Keanu Reeves in the lead as Neo. Yeah, I mean, I picked this one because it was a film I loved watching when it came out. Not because I think it's a good film now, because I don't. <laughs> but <laughs> when it came out as a sequel, like to the to the Matrix, which I was only seven or seven or eight when the Matrix came out in ninety nine. So you only have, like, a rough kind of idea of what The Matrix is. And when you're that age, you're like, oh, cool, it's an action film. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that cool fight scene. I'm a child and I like action films because I like James Bond, right? (laughs) Like, guns, punching stuff, like, it's good. Yeah. And what's amazing about The Matrix Reloaded when you watch it at that age is this that again, but on steroids? <laughs> it just absolutely loses its mind on these big set pieces, and a lot of it's CGI. And I have to say as well, CGI that has aged particularly poorly. It, I don't know <laughs> if you've seen. I, I watched a few clips before doing this of that big fight scene with Neo and all the agents where he sticks the pole in the ground and then like runs around kicking them all. Yeah. If you watch that now, my God, does it look awful. Like not even like, yeah, it just does not look good at all. But that was the coolest thing I've ever seen when I was, watching it in like 2003 2004 whenever it would have been that i that i mm. first watched amazing like just amazing to see that stuff because it looked convincing at the time when you're like 11 12 whatever and uh yeah it's just one of those films that always always felt like the peak of cool to me I always wanted one of those big long coats. And, uh, <laughs> kind of what I re- recognise now as really dodgy wraparound sunglasses. Like, oh yeah, they just. But for whatever reason, all of that was amazing and really appealing to me at the time as a kid watching it. And I yeah. must have must have watched it. I don't know, like. Once every couple of weeks, <laughs> for like three or four months, <laughs> in like in like 2003 or four. And uh, yeah, I think one of the other things as well that always brings me back to it is uh, I don't know if you ever played it, but Enter the Matrix on PS2. Yeah, and yeah. yeah I, I did play it a little bit, yeah. But like, that was a really good piece of like cross-media storytelling because that's all the stuff that's happening in the background of The Matrix Reloaded and you're playing as two completely different characters I loved getting that insight into the rest of the plot through something that you could do yourself yeah no it's clever it's clever Um, marketing marketing, like strategy as well 
it, it definitely worked on me. Um, well, I loved it. But, like, yeah, again, so many cool scenes. The bullet-stopping bit, that enormous car chase, and then you've got the kind of slightly weird albino twins. And oh, yeah, some, I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, when it's The Matrix, you know you're going to be in for some weird stuff as well as some cool stuff. But the majority of this film, I, I would say it's, it's pr- pretty much all style over substance. Look, looking back at it yeah um i mean i guess i could have picked the sequel to this which came out the same year but that's worse again so i didn't do that i remember <laughs> even when i watched it at the time i was like what is going on here I just, <laughs> like, it just felt it felt rushed i guess to some extent it probably was four years in between the matrix and the matrix reloaded it's just as as a kid who was like into tech and stuff the matrix was high of cool and when you watch the original now even now like it looks great it's it's a great film i um i have another confession to make go ahead i have seen the Matrix once. Really? And I've seen Matrix Reloaded once. And I watched a bit of Revolutions, but yeah, I didn't have a clue what was going on, so I didn't ever finish that, and I still haven't. And I end the trilogy, and I've been meaning to watch them again for God knows how long. Mm. But yeah, I still, still haven't got around to it. But yeah, I will do it eventually. And um, yeah, I agree with you. Like, there's some, like, as action sequences go, they're, they're up there. Yeah, for, um, again, it was like the style and that was probably groundbreaking. Like, you know, people always like when they do that move, they always like say, oh, I'm do- you know, I'm doing the Matrix or whatever. Like, it's, yeah, right. It's that, those iconic um, sequences. Um, you know, you always see them like they're spoofed and stuff as well. So it's obviously in popular culture. It's really like stood out. But um, yeah, I I say like to me when i was younger didn't really they didn't really appeal to me that much probably because it's like plot wise it is quite complex really yeah yeah thought. definitely and um but yeah i think my the first time i probably watched the matrix i was probably about 18 and um yeah i enjoyed it that time around that's the right age for it then i think personally yeah but yeah and i did play the game but um, yeah, only like sort of leisurely. I didn't really stick it. I never used to really stick at games other than FIFA. So <laughs> I, used to, I used to give up too easy if I died about once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's the thing. Like you say, like the plot of those, of those films and the kind of mythology that it sets up is is really complex. And as a kid, you don't engage with it at all. You don't mm. care. Couldn't care less. Yeah, because like you said, all those action action sequences, um, they they make up for that. Yeah, you know, exactly. it doesn't matter. Loads of guns, lots of cool slow mo stuff, some kung fu. It's all good stuff. What you care about is the action. It's one of the better films than um, that Keanu Reeves has done, isn't it? Anyway, like you know, it's it's better than Forty Seven Running or um, Speed, in your opinion. <laughs> I mean. It's better than 47 Ronin in anyone's opinion. <laughs> it's awful film. Film is awful. absolute trash. Yeah, I just, yeah, not a happy experience. Probably yeah. one of my worst experiences alongside you, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say that. And to be fair, another film you could you, you could talk about in this podcast, John Carter. Like, I don't hate on John Carter like the rest of the world does. And I can't be alone. But the funniest thing about that is um, when Junie appears at the end. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. But um, anyway, yeah, maybe that's um, that's what we can do for another sci-fi podcast: chip in John Carter and Avatar, and put in our thoughts on those. Yeah, um, definitely, mate. So moving on to my noise pick. Um, I went for signs in the end. Um, this was the era I probably struggled with the most, to be honest. But yeah, I settled for signs. Um, 
it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know um, like Shyamalan, he's done some odd films. He's done some classics like Sip Sense. Um, but yeah, signs are like um, 2002, 6.7 and 59 on Metacritic. So 6.7 is not too bad for that sort of genre because it's kind of like a horror, sci-fi, mm. hybrid sort of thing. Um, it's definitely creepy. Yeah, it's it's really like the tone of the movie is very sinister throughout. You know, even like the protagonists are a bit odd. Like the kids, Abigail Breslin, I think it is, and um, one of the Colkins. Mm-hmm. They just they 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 play the parts well. Sometimes they can't be that convincing, but yeah, they did right there. And then obviously Mal Gibson and Wacky Phoenix play the two brothers in it, living together. And um, yeah, they just live on. They're sort of living on a farm at the start, and um. The mum's died in sort of weird circumstances, which are revealed later on. So that's quite a heavy topic throughout the movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the basic premise is um, crop circles appear on their farm, and it's one of those alien movies where at first you don't really know what is lurking after them, and you sort of start to think, well, is it, are they really there? Is it really aliens? I think one of the first scenes where you really see anything, someone's on their roof and you just think it's like a burglar or something and then you think, well, actually, nah, there's something not quite right there. Yeah, I love the family dynamic with it, really. Like, you've, you're rooting for them in it. And they're... Mal Gibson, although he's obviously controversial in real life, I quite liked his character in this one. He's like the strong sort of patriarch. I think the creepiest bit, there's two really creepy bits that, stick out in this for me and again like i picked this because i was a kid when i saw i was 11 and i was very like interested in aliens at that time um but yeah the creepiest bits for me in it are um when the aliens first caught on camera i think it's in brazil and you don't understand what the um people are saying in it there's not i don't think there's any subtitles and it so that makes it even more creepy in a way because you haven't really got a clue what's going on and then you just see the aliens slight a split second creep past an alleyway and if you watch it now it's not as creepy as it was but when you're watching it and you're a kid it really puts the like shivers through you and yeah then the um the other scene that really sticks out for me with being quite sinister, I think Mal Gibson sort of shuts himself in like a cupboard and he shines the knife and you can see the aliens in the house and um, he cuts the fingers off and you just like, that's when it starts to get really weird. Yeah, it still creeps me out a little bit, to be honest, and I've, even that, yeah, I say I'm 28, I saw it when I was 11, but it still sticks with me. Um, and the end's quite creepy as well because they shut themselves up and you know the aliens are sort of coming for them. And like the family pet dogs get had, and it's just that's all that's really sad. I, I to be honest, <laughs> when anything happens with animals in films, that always gets me sometimes worse than people. But yeah, that that's really creepy that part because you do sort of. I sometimes think there could be something else out there, and would they come in peace or would they they come and take over the world? I feel like it's more likely the latter, and so you kind of think, what if that did happen? Like. And then you, when you start to think about that, it gets even more creepier. So, mm. yeah, that's my pick for my childhood sort of sci-fi because, yeah, I, I mentioned I like aliens. Um, I was big on my aliens at that point. And, yeah, it, it just stuck with me for a long, long time, that one. What are your thoughts on that one, bud? Yeah, like, it's I've only ever seen it once, probably, like, 10 years ago, something like that. But, like you said, I mean... It creeped me out then, so I wouldn't have fancied watching it when I was 11. Like, definitely not. Like, 10, 11, that would have terrified me. I'd be in therapy about that, probably, (laughs) like, still now, if I'd seen it then. The aliens are so... Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said sinister. It is so sinister and just creepy, and the way... It's one of those where, like, even as you're watching it, you feel like you're being watched. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes you it, it makes you feel really uncomfortable uh, as you're watching it. Yeah, it just makes you hyper-aware of your surroundings. Because yeah, that's, what you're, that's what you're seeing 
that's what you're seeing on screen and it puts you right it puts you right there with it it's it's yeah. it, it is really well done i feel like yeah i don't know it's like 50 yeah, I 59 think, meta scores a bit yeah. a bit harsh i think that's a bit harsh but um, m night Shyamalan, he's had that sort of like I think sometimes you think he's a bit of a Marmite one, where some oh, people yeah. love him and some people hate him. And to be honest, for me, there's some films I either love of his or I watch him and I'm like, this is rubbish. Like, they're very polarising. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the one with this, the reason it's creepy is if you add up the amount of time you actually see the aliens in the film, it's, it's, it's hardly anything. I mean, even at the end, when they actually properly confront the alien, I think... Joaquin Phoenix does it in with a baseball bat. You only really see the reflection of it in the TV. Yeah. So even then, like, you don't really see a lot of it. And, yeah, um, I like that when they don't reveal, you know, the um, antagonist throughout a film. It makes it, it adds to the creepy um, atmosphere. So, yeah, that's why I picked that one. I mean, it's, I said it's borderline horror, but it's sci-fi, really. So Yeah, definitely. I had I could have not pick it for the topic of, um, yeah, childhood sci-fi movies. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's... There's, that's um, there's all sorts of stuff that you could define as sci-fi if you really yeah. wanted to. Yeah. You know? Genres, I mean, like, genres do cross, like, definitely. Yeah, this one isn't that much of a jump to sci-fi even if you consider it primarily horror, definitely qualifies. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's our childhood picks then for sci-fi. Um, I think we did all right there, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think no regret. I, nah, I mean, like I say, I like signs. It's, it's, it's gets some stick, but I really like it. Um, Iron Giant's classic. I wouldn't have a bad word said about that one. And Ghostbusters is just classic adventure, sci-fi, comedy, whatever you want to put it under, really. Yeah. And then definitely. your your picks as well. Terminator 2, Quality, Matrix, I need to see it again, really. And yeah. The Fly is gross, but I still think like it was a good film, and I think the makeup holds up on it. Like It shouldn't. It doesn't really have a right to, but it does. Yeah, Do you know really, what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I think that's what you get with physical effects over cg you know yeah. it does tend it does tend to hold up a bit better when you're looking at it looking at things from a horror standpoint uh yeah you know for the show totally. it's that much more believable yeah i think you know terminator 2 and and the fly definitely hold up makes sure reloaded is iffy current day i would say but you know as a like i said as a kid watching it had everything you could possibly want from yeah from an action sort of sci-fi film so i don't regret don't regret picking it at all ah fair play um yeah so moving on um from our picks um have you been watching much lately or have you been busy i mean work is real hectic but i've been um i've been re-watching twin peaks um, oh, so uh, the next thing for me to do is then to rewatch Fire Walk with Me, which is the prequel to the series. Oh right, um, okay. Don't know if you've ever seen it. I've not. I've, I've not. I've not even seen Twin Peaks, mate. I've got yeah. to put my hands up. Um, I, I might give it a go because I've seen a couple of David Lynch works i've seen like blue valve and i quite like that mm. um it's weird it's a weird film but i really liked the um yeah i thought the artistry in that film is really good dennis hopper plays one of the creepiest villains in that one like I've ever seen yeah absolutely he's it's uh just dis- disturbing yeah to say the least he is he's absolutely terrifying in that in that film it's it's horrible um yeah, I mean, the thing is with anything, David Lynch, I think, mo- most things David Lynch, with the exception of, like, The Elephant Man, probably, where you can objectively say, God, that was a great film, because you feel so moved by it or, or whatever. I never I never feel comfortable talking about anything where David Lynch is saying, God, yeah, that was great. 
but more god i really enjoyed that or what the fuck was that it'll be one or the <laughs> other like yeah. and twin peaks the original series feels dated to some extent but also like the precursor to so much modern tv and film that it's crazy right like yeah i've got to give it a go and it's on the list again but i've just not ever got around to sticking on again i think i'd have to be in a certain mood for it i don't think it's something i just watch at any point if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely i think what's interesting is the the, the prequel film was originally completely panned by by critics i think it was booed at cans which is pretty brutal reaction but the first time yeah. i watched the first time i watched it i was expecting it to be awful I watched it, I really, I thought it was great. Like, I thought it was so good. And it, it's really dark. I'd say it's darker than the series. Because the series gets bad about halfway through season two, when the mystery is kind of wrapped. Right. And then Fire Walk With Me just bottles all of the darkness from the first series and a half into like a really right. concentrated couple of hours i would really yeah if you ever get around to watching it i would say definitely watch fire walk with me as well and uh go into it with an open mind okay having, yeah, having it, um, anything you might previously have read about it i'll add it to the list um I've watched a few films lately. I watched um, Ready or Not, which was like a horror comedy. That was actually all right. It's not like a spoofy one. It's kind of got the comedy, you know, nicely balanced with the um, the horror elements. So that worked for me. Um, Finding the Way Back with Ben Affleck, which came out this year. It's um, like a basketball movie where he's sort of like an alcoholic and he's asked to coach the team to sort of like get his life back in check. So... Yeah, it's quite an inspirational one. It was um, sort of went under the radar with, like, COVID, I suppose. Um, ben Affleck, I, I see he's a bit stick as an actor, but I quite like him. I think he's, when he's in certain roles, he does a decent job. He does it well. I also watched a documentary on Netflix, which is called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's on um, my watch list. It looks good. Yeah, if you, if you watch it, you'll, like, you'll throw your phone like, away, like, straight after i reckon it's just crazy well it'll make complete sense to you and you watch it but it's just shocking like it really is i'll let you um i'll let you watch it and then you can um you'll see what i mean and i also watched um the devil all the time as well on netflix mm. i don't know if you've heard of that one with tom holland and rob Pattinson. yeah i was disappointed to be honest like really? quite a lot of people have raved about this one um it looks good and the acting is great but plot wise it just for me it just didn't have a lot of meaning you know it didn't have that MacGuffin that you sort of need in in a film like why are they all what is their motive why are they doing this sort of thing bad or good like didn't really make much sense to me um so yeah that was a bit of a thumbs down for me on that one and I was quite looking forward to it as well but um you know it is what it is you can't love them all can you very true. So, yeah, I'm surprised by know. that. I, I've, same as you, I've seen a lot of really good. Yeah, I mean, don't like, don't not watch it on my account, but I'm just, yeah, for me, it just, I don't know, I'm not a massive Tom Holland fan either. Like, I just, I don't know, he kind of annoys me a little bit sometimes, but Robert Pattinson was absolutely brilliant in it. Like, he plays a villain in it, and he was like, his acting was, he deserves a bit more credit, I think, because people kind of like, tiring with twilight as soon as you mention him but he is a decent actor and i mean he's obviously been picked as a new batman we'll see how he does with that i'm quite interested to see where they go with that and with regards to new releases at the moment again with cinemas it's not great it's like a horror film called black box coming out on prime i think that's supposed to be quite good it's about like a guy who's had a car accident he's got amnesia could be interesting um there's the trial of the Chicago 7, which is set during the 1968 Democratic National um, Convention. Mm. And it's sort of like a court drama kind of thing. And Sasha Baron Cohen's in it as well, playing yeah. a more serious role. 
um, that's on Netflix. Um, finish that in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I look forward to like keeping an eye on that one because I say the new releases are so thin at the moment that when what summer does come out, I get more excited for it even when I probably wouldn't have, you know, under different circumstances. But yeah, um, but yeah, that's about all I've got for you this yeah. week. But I really enjoyed talking about the childhood sci-fi movies with you, Luke. Yeah, mate. Same um, here. Yeah, um, no, it was good, good to catch up. As always. And yeah, um, hopefully you you enjoyed yourself enough to come back again. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm really keen, really keen. I mean, yeah. there's so much you can talk about on this. Oh yeah, on this podcast, Too right, mate. like even I mean, even in the last hour and a bit, you know, with, there's a couple of topics that we could revisit and do another hour on quite easily. Oh yeah, too right, mate. There's um there's so much mileage in it. It's ridiculous, but. Yeah, it's just good to be talking, you know, about films and with uh, one of your good friends, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. thanks for listening. 